Welcome to Hope Renewed, the podcast of PIR Ministries. Thanks for connecting to Hope Renewed, the in-depth podcast about pastoral renewal and restoration. I'm Tom Jameson, and along with co-host Sean Nemechek, we explore the issues and challenges pastors face and help cultivate a renewed hope for healthy ministry lives. So, Sean, today we're focusing on the, the fascinating and incredibly challenged topic of ministry in an urban context. I think the call to bring the Gospels to cities has always required unique creativity and courage, perseverance, and sacrifice. And, and I think, too, when Paul said, I've become all things to all people, he had that challenge in mind. And navigating ministry in an urban context in our day and age has its own special dynamics to face. Yeah, today we've got uh, just somebody who's a huge fan of helping pastors in urban contexts and promoting church planting. Uh, Tyler St. Clair has been a church planter and pastor uh, in the Detroit area uh, for the last six years, and he's been ministering in Detroit for 20 years plus. Um, he is uh, connected with the Acts 29 network, uh, Church in Hard Places, and here in Grand Rapids, he's been a big supporter of the Plant 616 community. Uh, so he is a, a cheerleader for church planters all over the place. Uh, Tyler has been married for 18 years and uh, has five kids. Tyler St. Clair, welcome to Hope Renewed. What up, though? That's how we <laughs> greet you in Detroit. <laughs> I got to give you my Detroit green. What up, though? It's my pleasure to be here, guys. Thank you for having me. Oh, we're so excited about this conversation. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself uh, and your ministry. Yeah. Um, what's interesting is... Um, I grew up in Detroit, born and raised in the city. My my story is very, very similar to the people we feel called, called and compelled to reach. Um, born and raised in the city, my my um, my mother was a single mother, struggled. I, I barely graduated out of high school. I was that kid um, who, uh, at parent-teacher conference, my teacher said, uh, you probably won't make it to the 18. You, you won't graduate out of high school. I was that kid. Um, and by God's grace, um, he snatched me, he saved me, and he sent me out on a mission. So um, since the age of 19, I've just been um, focused on seeing people come to know and follow Jesus. Uh, we want to see churches planted. Um, I am a, a, like you said, a big cheerleader for church planters. Um, and yeah, I'm excited to see um, God's glory um, just in very dark places. So it's a little bit about me. How, how'd you get started with your current church plant where you are now? So, oh man, that's a long story. <laughs> long, long story made short. Um, we felt, again, at 19 years old, I felt called to church planting. I didn't know what, I didn't even know what a church plant was. I don't even know that language was even prominent uh, then. But I felt called to start a church just because the, the denominations that I was connected with they did not encourage new churches being started. It was basically uh, you take over an existing church. So I, I, just, I felt that burden. Um, so as I found out more and I learned about the Acts 29 Church Planning Network, I pursued assessment and membership with Acts 29. 
and uh, it began in 2015, and uh, we became members in 2016. And it was a it was a great experience. It was challenging. It was it was pressing. It was stretching because um, they leave no stone un- uncovered. You know, they they look at your marital health, your your competency as a preacher, leader, um, everything. So the assessment process uh, actually brought to brought to light some, some areas that I need to grow and mature in as a, as a, as a man, pastor, leader, father. Um, and um, so, yeah, that, that process began in 2015 and we became members of the X-29 uh, Network in 2016. And it's been uh, beautiful just seeing what God has been doing and, and God will, hopefully God will continue to do. So what are some of the, the unique uh, challenges that you've faced along the way? Some of the, what are the unique needs of a pastor in an urban setting? Can I, can I hit it from a church planner's perspective? And yeah, then kind of, so when you start a church, it's like, it's like you're starting up a business. You're, you're literally starting from scratch. So uh, my running joke is the charter members of Cornerstone Church Detroit all had the last name St. Clair. And all were people <laughs> in my, all were people in my, people in my living room. Mm-hmm. Uh, we literally started with nothing. Um, we started, you know, we felt called. Uh, and compelled to the northwest side of Detroit, and uh, more people, more people came on, and and, and we built out the team that way. But you, you're starting with nothing. You don't have. You really don't. It's hard to recruit people to something that doesn't exist. Hmm. Um, so the unique challenges to that is um, not only are you starting with with um, from scratch, but you're trying to to reach people in the urban context that don't don't have a a working knowledge of church planning for the most part, um, because there's just so many existing churches mm-hmm. in our community, so they don't know what a church plant is. They don't know what church planting is. So, um, and then there's just major um, socioeconomic challenges, and now just on a on a wider scope, just pastoring in urban context, it's hard. I was talking about the tyranny of the immediate. The people we're trying to reach are so overwhelmed, overstressed, overburdened by life, uh, relational dynamics, uh, mm-hmm. financial instability, uh, just all those challenges that trying to get them to see the need for uh, Jesus, the need for spiritual growth, the need to be a part of the church, is, is kind of, is difficult because it's just life is just, life is so hard all of the time, every day. Um, so I, I would say that's one of the main things. And then just lack of resources, mm. uh, lack of resources um, in the urban context is, uh, is, is hard and sometimes discouraging. And I would imagine the, you know, those needs around you, but like in any context, but maybe particularly so, really shape your approach to ministry, don't they? Yeah. So church in Detroit, as a, as a black pastor and the church in Detroit, there are, there are just many negative stigmas attached mm-hmm. to the church. Um, the reality is for every one or two black brothers and sisters that are becoming Christian, I'm meeting three or four that are leaving the faith, mm-hmm. uh, rejecting evangelicalism, re- rejecting the church. Jesus is white. Jesus, the Bible isn't uh, infallible. Becoming black Hebrew Israelites. So there's, there's a bit of an exodus happening uh, in the urban context with black and brown people. So you're, you're fighting against that. You're fighting against people who are leaving the faith and, and, and seeing just missteps in the evangelical church, frankly, mm-hmm. um, missteps in leadership. And then you, you, you see different abuses happen in the church. You know, pastors, um, 
just, you know, falling. So they see all of that. And then you mix in just the lack of resources. You know, it's, it's hard to really even get to a conversation about sharing the gospel <laughs> with someone mm-hmm. when they have all of these objections. And, and some of them are very valid. They have all of these objections to the faith. So that's one of, that's a major challenge. A major yeah. challenge. So, so how do you deal with that? I mean, how do you balance that when, you know, your heart is, I want to go this direction, but what you've yeah. presented is, is almost opposite of that. One, um, I, I try to be a good listener. I try to be a good listener. I try to try to actually uh, open the door for dialogue, um, own, own where the church has failed, mm-hmm. uh, own where, where people have legitimate concerns, legitimate skepticism. I mean, well, that's, that's, that's all over the place. You know, people are skeptical of Jesus. People are skeptical of the church. But the, the, the skepticism just look a little bit different in my, in my context. But I, I try to be a good listener. I try to be a good listener. I actually try to, to be winsome, to, to have, have them take down their, their guard a little bit so we can even have a dialogue. Um, I start there instead of just coming with the Jesus tomahawk. Um, like, no, let's, 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 let's have a conversation. Like, why do you feel that way? You know, why do you feel that? Why do you why do you feel that way about the quote evangelical church? You know, what do you think that, what do you think that even means? You know, why do you feel that way about you know black pastors? Why, why do you feel that they're all filling the blank? You know, I've heard it all. Mm-hmm. You know, I just try to listen. I try to empathize because I, I know people who've been genuinely hurt hurt by the church. So I try to empathize and um, and I try to show them you know in my in my love and my deed and my character that there are Christians who legitimately love and follow Jesus. And don't want your money. Don't want. Don't want just to add you to the church just so we can have a big church or whatever. Um, but yeah, just listening, empathy, and um, just trying to model Christ in our community. And it's a slow growth. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a slow go. You know, you're not you're not going to build a, a mega church that way overnight. You know, right. but our goal is to, to reach people for, for the Lord Jesus Christ, and we'll we'll take the slow approach. Things that last grow slowly, huh? <laughs> Amen. Amen. Yeah. I, I, I was talking to a church planner yesterday. I said, "Man, well, we we want to plant we want to plant oak trees. We don't want to plant chia pets. There you we want to plant we want to plant oak trees. We want to plant something that's sustainable, something that's going to be around for generations. We don't want to plant no chia pets." <laughs> but the boy, the reality of that is that can be very discouraging. Oh uh, yeah, you know because we we do want to see that quick growth or some sign of growth, any sign mm-hmm. of growth. Yeah, uh, it, you know, as you think about church planners, pastors in in the urban context where you're working, what what's the what's the temperature? How, how discouraged are these folks? How encouraged are they? The um, the last couple of years have just been really hard. Mm. The last couple of years have been hard on every pastor to to varying degrees. Um, so a little bit about our story. The end of I was talking to one of my pastoral residents. The end of 2019, we were knocking on, you know, they always talk about that 100, 100 person threshold, whatever. We were hovering around 90, 85, 90 people on a good Sunday, 100. And we were knocking, we were, we were, we were clicking. Um, groups were going, everything was going well. And then we, into 2019, we got displaced from our building. We had to, we had to totally go to a new, new place. As soon as we got settled in this new place, this little thing called Corona happened in 2020. Mm-hmm. So it's been since 2019, it's just been challenge after challenge after challenge. Last year, we started regathering again. The school that we're meeting at said, oh, by the way, you can't meet here anymore. Mm-hmm. So from mm-hmm. uh, April to August, we were meeting outdoors. 
uh, every week just trying to figure out rolling the dice. Like, okay, I think the weather's going to let us do it. You know, we live in Michigan. So you know about our weather. <laughs> um, be a tsunami next week and a, uh, and a, and a fl- and flurries next week. Uh, so it's just different. It's, 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 the last couple of years have been hard on every pastor. But when you add the dynamics of um, doing ministry in urban context with the, uh, the other socioeconomic elements, people just um, have a, a higher, uh, higher level of poverty, you know, lower education. Like all of these things uh, add to the difficulty of sustaining a church. And, and, it, and it does become very discouraging, very discouraging. So it's, it's been my experience just watching uh, friends of mine who are planting churches in urban areas mm-hmm. that they just don't seem to get the support, especially financial support, that churches yeah. in uh, suburban areas seem to get. Yeah. Um, what would you like to say about that? It's 100%, it's 100% accurate. Uh, I won't divulge this person's name because I'm in a good mood and I'm nice. <laughs> Most of the time. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but many years ago, um, I went to a church planning thing. Oh, my goodness. This was 2013. So this was before we had planted a church. And I'm sitting down with a, 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 very, uh, a very successful, quote, quote, uh, successful pastor in a big church in the suburbs. And I'm sitting down and I'm just, I'm a straight shooter. Like, hey, I'm here to talk about financial support. This is what we need. Um, we can, we can, we can just skip all the pleasantries. <laughs> I know I got, I know I have an hour of your time. Let's get the pleasantries. <laughs> this is, this is, this is why I'm here. You know what I'm saying? Uh, so we talked and, and, he, and he basically told me no, because, uh, his, his exact quote was, um, we put money, we put money where we see smoke. Hmm. So basically if there's some momentum or if there's something already happening, then we'll, we'll dump some money into it. So, um, and, and, and it's the, it's the, it's the, the analogy I always use is people bet on the sure thing, mm-hmm. you know, they, the, the pony that's most likely to win, um, or, you know, next year when the NFL season starts, the Kansas city Chiefs are going to be a, a favorite for the championship, um, or whatever the people think so they're going to put their money there because it's a, it's a quote unquote more sure thing. Mm-hmm. The urban church planner is not the Kansas City Chief. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the, the urban church planner is the guy who is in the neighborhood that more likely than not, is, is, he's not going to be self-sustaining in three to five mm-hmm. years. The chances of that happening, somebody's going to have to hit the lot or somebody's yeah. going to have to get a, a lawsuit or something. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's, it's going to have to be something crazy like that. Because, and, and, and so I was talking with another denominational leader uh, many years ago. I said, you can't, these two things can't, coexist you can't tell me to go reach four people and say you need to be so sufficient in five years mm-hmm. yeah. you you can't say those two statements mm-hmm. um you you i know guys who start churches in the summer and this is not a knock on starting churches in the suburbs because you know we they need the gospel too we need we need sure. to plant churches everywhere rural communities college towns urban areas suburbs uptown downtown wherever but you you start a church in the suburbs let's do the math you have, um, you say you start with 10 families. I'll say if you're in the, sub- if you're in the, urban, if you're in the suburban area, uh, eight out of those 10 families are going to be dual income. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> yeah. you, you got multiple incomes. They're supporting the church financially. Uh, you get some support from other churches. 
uh, you get a high school gym, you get a little equipment, three years, you good. You good to go. Um, you can't tell me to reach single mothers, people with multiple strikes, uh, broken families, and then have and hold me to the same standard as someone in the suburbs. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't make it just doesn't add up. So that's the drum I've been beating um, for the last several years. Uh, part of my job is continuing to fundraise, main, maintain partnerships uh, with supporting churches, because if I don't do so, we won't have a church. Mm-hmm. It's just the reality. Yeah. Yeah. It's been, it's been my experience uh, seeing pastors planting in suburban areas. It really only takes one wealthy donor to get that church really going yep. uh, well. And, and th- those things are, are just not available to my friends who are planting in urban areas. Uh, no. Their, their struggle is, is continually to find money to do the really good work that they're doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, and, and not only that, the, um, the ingenuity and the creativity it takes to plant a church. So, I was telling you guys, I'm in my multi-purpose room. You can see behind me, it's, it's an old chapel, but we converted it to kids' ministry room. It's a meeting room. It's my mm-hmm. office. Like, to plan a church in an urban context because you don't have you don't have the same resources. Mm-hmm. You got to get creative. You got to have some ingenuity. Uh, but what I've noticed, what is, what is very encouraging to me is the guys who are urban missionaries, the amount of uh, swag and creativity that they have is 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 phenomenal because you gotta you gotta get a lot of you gotta get a lot of juice out of that squeeze. Mm-hmm. You get a lot of juice out of that squeeze. So you you become creative. You become depend you become very dependent on God. It's not uh well we can try this and if it don't work we got money in the bank. I know you need to trust, pray, depend on God, get creative, continue to raise funds, continue to build ministry partners, continue to cast vision because that is how you um, keep the church open and sustainable because if you begin to have money problems, then that, that takes your focus away from the mission. Mm-hmm. And that whole trusting in God thing, that's not so bad, is it? I mean, it's, <laughs> it's maybe where we should be in the first place. And it's a, it's a hard place to be. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, yeah. you know, as I think about that and the discouragement and the weight that, that all this challenge brings, where where do you find hope and where do you see hope? Yeah. So one thing that um, that I've had to put into practice, because it, it is very discouraging, just to be to be very honest, to be brutally honest, last couple of years have been uh, some of the hardest years in ministry, uh, most discouraged. Like I said, not only have we had to deal with Corona in Detroit, where uh, it was a, it was a it was a point where it was a thousand cases a day. You know, it was it was just it was it was crazy. Um, and we were connected with many people who got sick, lost jobs, got displaced. It was it was bad. It was really, really bad. Um, so not only were we dealing with that as a leader, I was dealing with the building inconsistency, leadership transitions, like all of these different things. Um, we lost a kids ministry person. We lost a worship leader. Um we lost a couple donors because, you know, we're, th- we're four years in now. So now i got to raise some more money. It, mm-hmm. it was extremely difficult. And it, it was moments that, it, that that just were very discouraging. Um, my running joke is like, I quit in my head three or four times a month. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, I was like, this is, this is hard. This is the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. By far. Um, 
But what I've had to do is I always go back to, I believe it's in Deuteronomy 6 and other places where God tells them to, to mark this moment, mark this moment, mark this sacred place. This, this is a, this is a, a, a mount of remembrance. This is a, 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 build a, build a statue here, build a, a marker here, because you're going to need to go back to these, these moments. So what I do is I just continue to go back and look at God's faithfulness. I look at God's faithfulness when it was when the when my church plant team was 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 a bunch of kids. <laughs> when my church plant team all had the last name Sanctuary. Yeah. You know, how God constantly provided. You know, I go back to when I had to raise significant support for, to have a salary because it was like, okay, I have to feed my family. My family has to eat. And just to see God be faithful time after time after time, yeah. how we were in the process of launching and we didn't sign a date on the lease uh, in 2016. We didn't sign, we didn't, I, we, I didn't sign a lease until nine days before our launch. God provided a place right in the nick of time. Just mm. all these different ways that God has just been just over the top uh, good to us and provided. I have to go back to those moments and remember, like, you know, you know, when 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 I get a negative, when I get a, um, a email saying, hey, we supported you for three years, but we got to move on. You know, I have to remind myself that, you know, yes, you know, A, I'm thankful for the, the support for the last few years. But B, God has always provided mm-hmm. and God has always um, kept his kept his promise. So um, that's one thing I always do, man. You know, I, I build those build those monuments and go back to them. And also. I've had to realize that um, I have to just be open and transparent with people who are trusted people. Um, and it's usually pastors outside of my church, brothers who are um, near and dear. Um, just be, be super honest with them and just say, hey, man, I'm, I'm having a, just a really crappy day. I'm discouraged. Um, over the holiday, yeah, this was the, the week of Christmas. Um, it just was uh, thing after thing after thing. The week Christmas, of course, um, thing, thing after thing. And, uh, it was, I was exhausted physically and I just was, I felt like I was pushing a rock up the hill and it just kept rolling back <laughs> on me. Um, and I just texted a couple, I text, um, two different group chats, two brothers that I know that I've been doing ministry with for years and another group of pastors that I did a cohort with. I just said, Hey, I'm really sad. I'm sad. I'm dealing with some depression that is really uncommon. I, like, I haven't felt this bad, this low emotionally, and this drained physically at the same time in years. Can y'all just pray for me? I just need y'all to pray for me. I just need to know y'all pray for me. Wow. Um, so I, I've had to do that and put myself out there. And, uh, and that, that has provided just prayer, support, and accountability. Because mm-hmm. a few days later, God's just checking in like, hey, man, you know, we've been praying for you. My church has been praying for you. How are you doing? How can we serve? So th- those are two things that I do that I've, that I've been doing. Um, mm-hmm. Because, yeah, the last, the last few years have just been really, really, really hard. Mm-hmm. Really hard. We mentioned that, uh, that you're a cheerleader for church planters. Um, mm-hmm. What are some of the things that you find yourself saying to the, the younger church planters that you're working with? I've been there. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I I try to be as a I try to be uh, real. I try to be uh, transparent and tell like, yeah, man, this is hard. Like, I I, I, I wish I could tell. I wish I could give you the rose colored uh, optics, but this is hard. 
you're trying, you're, you're, you're engaging in spiritual warfare. You're trying to manage a family. You're trying to start a church from nothing. You're trying to raise, it is extremely hard. So one, you know, I just nod my, nod my head and listen, like, yeah, man, I get it. I've been there. Mm. Um, and, but secondly, just, I really try to point them back to Jesus. Mm. Um, and it sounds so cliche, but I had to realize years ago that my identity is not in being a church planner. Mm. My identity is not in, 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 in ministry success. Mm. You know, my, my identity is, is, in, is found uh, in Christ. I'm, I'm a beloved son of the father through the finished work of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. I, I have to, I have to, I have to keep going back there and I have to keep pointing guys there because if you don't, you look at the, you'll feel the attrition mm-hmm. on your soul. You'll, you'll see people leaving. You're constantly criticized. You're constantly critiqued. You, 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 you get more suggestions than uh, encouragements and you'll begin to look at yourself as a failure based on that. So I, I just continue to point them back to the gospel, point them back to Jesus and say, man, you need the gospel more than anybody in your church right now. You know, you need to, you need to be preaching that same gospel to yourself uh, before you get up and preach it to anybody else. Because if not, you just become a shell. That, that's so powerful. Uh, just, uh, I mean, we all need to hear that. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. That, that we have to know where we're rooted or else anyone's going to come and blow us over. We've mentioned the difficulties of the last two years. And Mm -hmm. uh, one of them we haven't talked about is just the racial tensions uh, that have been going on. Um, A lot of the white pastors that I know are just beginning to ask some questions Mm -hmm. around that. Um, And I myself often struggle to know what questions I should ask. Mm -hmm. Um, What would you say to those who are, are beginning to to understand what's been going on for a long, long time. Yeah. So it, it's hard. It's hard as a black person. Um, it's hard not to roll your eyes and stuff your teeth and say, "Finally, welcome to the party," um, because this is because our experience has always been difficult. Uh, it's hard not to do that, but I, I, I try. I try my best to be as um, uh, sympathetic and empathetic as possible because like like you don't if you're if you don't know what you don't know you know so i i I try i try not i can't be mad at you for not knowing something if you if you grew up especially if you grew up not only not only white but you grew up in a predominantly white uh culture uh culture and setting if you grew up in predominantly upper white middle class evangelical church like this stuff is it is brand new to you it's like wait what (laughs) so I, i get it you know, I get it because as a minority, when I enter into, you know, predominantly white evangelical spaces, this stuff is new to me. Like, hey, wait, y'all do that? <laughs> this is like my hashtag mind blown. Uh, I remember the first time I was at a um, I was at a, a gathering of pastors and they and they pulled out they pulled out um, alcoholic beverages and cigars. Now, no one was getting intoxicated or anything like that. But that just like really just blew my mind. Like, wait, y'all, y'all get down like that? Um, it's just, it, it was just because that that was, that's not my culture. I grew up in a traditional black church context, and it, it would it would have never happened like that, mm-hmm. you know. So I try not to um, to 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 kind of roll my eyes and suck my teeth because you don't know what you don't. Know. So I try to be patient and having those conversations and just 
um, I, I encourage all the white pastors that I know that you just need to have conversations with people of color. Mm-hmm. Uh, you need to hear their stories, you need to hear their experiences, um, and you need to to listen. And, and you need to do, do, do some research. There's, there's many, many books that you can read on uh, the one, one of the, the go-to standards is, uh, now I'm drawing a blank, uh, um, Divided by Faith. Mm-hmm. You know, Divided by Faith is a good book. It talks about how, how we ended up with a black church and a white church. I was talking to one pastor years ago, and he was kept going on with this thing. Well, it shouldn't be a black church. There shouldn't be a black church. There shouldn't be a white church. I said, well, you realize that the first black denomination started, the AME church started because uh, they were excommunicated from the United Methodist Church. Uh, Richard Allen, Ashland Jones, and um, and a few other, uh, this was back in, during slavery time. They were all free. They were in Philadelphia. They, they, they were the first ones to, to, to pull the, the Colin Kaepernick move. Uh, Richard Allen, Ashland Jones, they went and they kneeled in the whites only section in St. George United Methodist Church, and they were all kicked out, so they started the AME Church. So the reason we have a black church and a white church is because of racial division. Mm-hmm. You know, black pastors weren't allowed to go to uh, evangelical seminary. They weren't allowed to be members in, in these churches, uh, in these institutions, so they had to start their own. Mm-hmm. So just do your research, learn, this, this, learn how we got here. It wasn't just um, poof, now there's racism and now there's racial division in the church. It's always been there. Mm. It has always been there. Uh, so I would say just have conversations with people, hear their stories, learn that these are real people with real stories with real experiences, real scars. And, and, and also do your research, do, do, read, some, read books. There's many, many, many books. Uh, Tony Evans' book, um, um, I can't remember it, but he has a couple. Tony Evans has a couple of really good books um, uh, on 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 how we got to where we are racially. There's there's many good books and resources that you can read and learn how we got to where we are as as a as a divided church and what we need to do to move forward. Mm. I think it's important that we do know the history of how this happened and and really you know some of the things that that went on and still are going on mm-hmm. um i was shocked to learn just a couple of years ago that my grandfather who pastored a church in uh inner city chicago mm-hmm. was forced out of ministry because he wanted to let black people into the church mm-hmm. um uh, and i had no idea that that went on years ago that that was part of his story That's so crazy. i mean that that is something that we as white pastors need to mm-hmm. go back and look at and own and, you know, maybe uh, uh, confess and repent of on behalf of our, our denominations and our churches at times. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The name of that book by Tony Evans was Oneness Embraced. Oneness Embraced is another really good book. Another book that I suggested that, that I suggested everyone read is by Dr. Carl Ellis. Uh, it's mm-hmm. called Free at Last Question Mark. Free at Last. So he basically starts from the shores of Africa and, and does a, a deep dive in the history from, from the shores of Africa to, to that point to how the black church and the black church experience um, began. But yeah, it, it's, um, I remember I was listening to a podcast one day um, and these are, these, are, these, these are things that we talk about. 
Um, and the, the guy was just talking, and he, in, in one sentence, he said, you know, when he didn't realize that um, he didn't realize that Augustine was was from Africa and Jonathan Edwards owned slaves until he got to seminary. And I just was jarred, like, wait, I didn't know neither one of those things was true. <laughs> <laughs> wait, what? You know, because every picture of Augustine, every picture of Augustine is a white man. Same thing with Athanasius. These, these men were from northern Africa. There's no same, way same thing with people. Jesus, too. One hundred percent. Yeah, there's no way these men look. Yeah. yeah, there's no way these men look European. Yeah. And um, Jonathan Edwards, who was an amazing theologian, author, scholar, brilliant man, he owned human property. Mm-hmm. We don't. We, we don't. We don't talk. Yeah. About mm-hmm. We don't. We don't talk about those things. Um, and it's not. And it's not in a way. It's not in a way to. To, to induce shame or guilt on, on my white brothers and sisters because that won't solve anything. Shame and guilt aren't good, good motivators for anything. But the reason we need to have these conversations is to, to, to broaden the perspective, to show like this is how we got to where we are. This wasn't an accident. This is how we got to where we are and this is how we move forward. And, and that, yeah, so that really opens the opportunity for for real authentic relationships yeah, that, that yeah. are based on a mutual understanding. Um, and, uh, and that's then where we move forward in those Absolutely. relationships. Yeah. So key. And I think too, th- this is just my own heart. Uh, and it's, you know, in this question, it's a question in marriage relationships and things like that. When, mm-hmm. when I ask you um, help me to understand Mm-hmm. really the onus of responsibility of work is on me. And yeah. I have to be careful. I'm not saying, hey, help me understand. So you do the hard work to, to right. make me better. It's, and, you know, whatever relationship we come to when we need yeah. to do that, uh, yeah. uh, owning that ourselves and being willing to do that ourselves. Absolutely. You know, I think another part of that is when we as white pastors uh, ask black people, uh, tell me, you know, what I need to know. And they respond with, you know, man, I've been saying this for years mm-hmm. and figure it out yourself. We, we need mm-hmm. to recognize that, um, that it really is on us to do the work, mm-hmm. um, yeah. to, to come with genuine curiosity and not, not, uh, try and, and put it on others to tell us what we should believe. It's not loving to do that. No. Uh, when we yeah. ask someone else to do our work for us, yeah, yeah, I but I I agree with that. But I I also um, strongly encourage my my black brothers and sisters, like now if this if this is gonna be true, genuine reconciliation on both sides. Mm-hmm. Yes, we we haven't been heard. Yes, we haven't been listened to. Yes, we've been ignored. But if you are encountering, if you have a conversation with a white brother or sister, and they are genuine. Mm-hmm. And they want to learn, and they want to have a conversation. I'm down for that. Mm-hmm. It, I'm not, but I'm not arguing with nobody. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. I'm not going. I'm not going. I'm, I'm not. I'm not going to validate. I'm not going to validate myself in your head. Mm-hmm. I'm not doing that. Like I'm not arguing with nobody. I'm, I'm not doing that. Not back and forth anymore. Um, I'm not listening to you say statistically speaking a thousand times. No, you just don't want. It. You just don't want to hear. Your mind is made up. You don't want to hear, and you want to say you, you just want to have a conversation with me, just so you can say you had a conversation to keep your mind closed. Mm. I'm not doing that. I'm not wasting my time. But if someone is genuine and, and they want to and they want to learn and they want to 
uh, grow, like, hey, I'm, I'm down. Because that, that, that just, that moves the kingdom forward just a little bit more. Yeah. And that, I mean, ultimately, that is it. It's the kingdom. This, this is, Absolutely. you know, bringing God's vision to bear. Yeah. Absolutely. So, Tyler, what, what is, uh, is your picture of what it would look like for the kingdom, for brothers and sisters of different colors, races to, to worship in unity? It's, I call it, the, the analogy is just a beautiful mess. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a beautiful mess. Um, so our church is, is fairly diverse. Um, our church is a, a church that's about, uh, depending on the Sunday, depending on who's sick that week or who, who's out of town or whatever, it can swing 60% black, 40% white, or closer to half and half, depending on the Sunday. Uh, our church is, is, is a fairly diverse church with a black lead pastor, and it's a beautiful mess. There's times that things get missed in translation. There's times when we have to have conversations. There's times we have to hash things out. There's times that we don't get and understand everything because I'm coming from a cultural uh, cultural context that is that's just Detroit. I'm I, I'm just a Detroit dude, man. I, mm-hmm. I've been here my whole life. I don't I don't know how to I don't know how to pretty it up. I don't know how to make it cute. I'm a Detroit dude from Six Mile of Schaefer that was not supposed to graduate out of high school and was not supposed to do anything with his life. And that's what I've been told my whole life, mm-hmm. but by God's grace. Amen. So I don't, I don't, I don't speak effective uh, suburbanese. Mm-hmm. So sometimes I need you to explain it to me. And I know you don't get what I'm saying. <laughs> I, I, I'll say something, I'll say something, I'll say something and my wife is just, and, and is just like, oh my gosh, she put, and I'll and I have to come back clean it. Okay. What I meant was this, uh, but that's, that's, that's a diverse shirt. It's, it's a beautiful mess. Yeah. There's some messiness because we're all different. Um, not just, not just ethnically, but socioeconomically experience wise. Mm-hmm. So it's a beautiful mess, the side of glory. Yeah, and is it, seeing Christ in the midst of that beautiful mess. Amen. As, yeah. As, yeah. As we open up, as we, as we learn to live in grace with one another. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. 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 It seems to me to be able to, to navigate that mess, we have to be more committed to one another in Christ than we mm-hmm. are to our history, to our background, mm-hmm. to uh, the cultural settings in which we've been raised. Political leanings, all of that. Yeah. 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 Amen. Yeah. 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 Jesus has to be number one. Yeah. Bible said something about that. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So Tyler, uh, th- this is fascinating. As as um as we kind of wrap things up here, we always like to give our guests an opportunity to share uh, a word of hope for our listeners. What what mm-hmm. would you say to those who are listening today to offer them hope? God is at work. Um, God is at work. So one of the things I do, I work with Axel and I Church Planning Network, and um, about an hour ago, uh, I was on a Zoom call with pastors literally all across the world, pastors um, in Brazil, uh, the, uh, the United Kingdom, two pastors in Africa, uh, a brother in Spain, uh, and a brother in New Hampshire, and myself, and we were all just sharing stories, and we're all doing ministry in amongst the poor. Uh, in our in our neck of the woods, it looks different in Detroit than it does in Brazil. But uh, I was listening to the brother in Brazil, and he was saying, "Yeah, you know, we started a cohort of fifty pastors. You know, we just finished that one, and we're gonna start a cohort of seventy pastors." Listen to the brothers in Africa talk about the very hard challenges that they have of doing ministry, and um, 
in uh, Eastern and Western Africa, but just how God is moving. It looks bleak. I mean, because sometimes as Americans, we only look at things in our own little sheltered, small mm-hmm. American space, you know, where we get a hangnail and then the world is just falling apart mm-hmm. because things are tough for us. Uh, but like God is moving all across the world. Um, he's saving people. Churches are being started. Um, darkness is being pushed back literally all across the world. Um, so that, that that's what brings me that you know, things may look bleak and things are hard, things are difficult and we are coming out of, we're all coming out of a tough time, uh, hopefully perfectly coming out of it um, with the pandemic. But, you know, just, just being on that Zoom call this morning, just my heart was just, just overwhelmed. Like God is, God is moving. Like God, God is really, really moving. You know, the gospel is moving forward literally all across the world. So, um, he's doing he's doing what he said he would do. He said, I'm, I want to build my church. The gates of hell won't prevail against it. You can come along, you can come along and be on my team, but I, Jesus, this is me, Jesus. I'm building my church. And 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 darkness is gonna be pushed back. So um, that's that's the word of hope I have. That you know, God is really at move and things are really happening. Like there's revival happening in other places of the world. You know, we're praying for that to happen. Call me crazy, but we're praying for revival to happen in our country. We're praying for revival to happen in Detroit. When I mean revival, I'm not talking about somebody put up a tent and we have some services. No, masses of people accepting Jesus and being baptized. That's what we're praying for. Mm-hmm. Uh, but God is moving all across the world. So that's that's what brings me hope. And that's that's what, that's what keeps me going. Yeah. Mm. So, Tyler, I have one more quick question before we sure. end. If people want to support your church financially in the mm-hmm. work that you do, how can they do that? So our website is cornerchurch313.org. Uh, you can go there and just find out uh, more information about what we're doing as a church. Um, our core values are we're sharing Jesus, we're sharing our lives, and we're serving our community. We are a local church that is all about um, reaching our community, making disciples, and, 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 and really digging our roots here and, and partnering with the schools, partnering with the community organizations, um, and, and seeing seeing um, lives change. You know, we say our, 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 um, our mission statement is to see broken lives, broken communities, broken families rebuilt on the cornerstone that is Christ Jesus. So uh, I'm encouraged by what God is doing. Uh, so if you want more information, you can go to our website. It's cornerchurch313.org. Uh, my social media handles are Tyler P. Saint. Uh, you can find me there and you can um connect with me on social media there and i'd love to answer any questions you may have about uh the work we're doing here in detroit so tyler thank you so much for your time and your generosity uh, to pleasure, be on this podcast today thank you yeah it's been My great pleasure. having you and as always we invite you our listeners to rate and review hope renewed in itunes or your favorite podcast app and to share this podcast with your friends on social media it's a great way to help us continue to bring hope to others Thanks for joining us today. It is our prayer that in whatever context you're serving, Christ's hope in you is your strength. PIR Ministries partners with God and the church in the work of pastoral renewal and restoration to cultivate new hope for healthy ministry lives. You can learn more about us at our webpage, pirministries.org, or email us at info at pirministries.org. Thanks for joining us for Hope Renewed, and remember, 
the hope Christ offers will never put us to shame.